Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? It is great to be with you on this day of days, the hallmark, the foundation, the big one for our faith. This is the day where we celebrate the fact that Jesus came up out of his grave and because he did, hope still remains. That's us. That's our deal. Uh, some of you are like, who's yelling at me? My name is Mark. I'm wearing a suit, so it must be Easter. It is super uncomfortable. I'm so looking forward to taking it off. All right. Uh, with that out of the way, I'm so glad you're here. I know uh, whether it's here in this room or next door or online, uh, we've been walking through a difficult year. Last year at Easter, uh, I stood on the stage and preached to a camera, uh, which was kind of weird. It's good to see faces in here. Glad you came. Uh, I know this is a mixed crowd, as every crowd on a Sunday is. This might be even a little bit more mixed. I know there's among us the, the convinced. I don't need to tell you that Jesus has risen. Uh, you're in. You're convinced, convinced and committed. There's others who are kind of convinced, um, maybe a little complacent. You know, you can kind of duck in and duck out of the church and the story of Jesus. I'm glad you're here. There's some of you who are here. Uh, you're the coerced the corralled, the collared. Uh, if you want to have ham in the next hour, you had to show up here. <laughs> and I'm glad you're here too. However you got here, I trust that God has made an appointment with each one of us. And I, I've, I've, I've rewarded you. I'm only going to talk for about 20 minutes. How about that? Don't set your clocks. I can see some of you moving right now. <laughs> but I believe that God has us here to hear what is the foundational message of the Christian faith. Uh, some of you uh, might come to this weekend every year, Good Friday and Easter, and, and you might ask this question, hey, so why did Jesus have to die and then come back to life? Well, the answer to this question provides us our good news because in Jesus' death and resurrection, we can have life again. Why did Jesus have to die and come back to life? Real simple answer, three letters, S-I-N, sin. See, the, you go to the front of our Bibles and it tells us in the first couple chapters of Genesis that God created everything that is. And at the end of every day, he said, man, that's good. Uh, on the sixth day, he created humanity. He created us in his image. He didn't make us robots. He gave us a choice. He gave us free will. And he knew in creating us uh, that we potentially would rebel against him. He, he knew that that would be the case. But he went ahead and did it anyway. And the only thing that man has ever created is sin. Everything else we've created from what God has created first. But we created sin. Sin uh, does a, a bunch of things to us. It brings shame and blame. That's what Adam and Eve did at the, the lineup after their first sin. Her fault. Snake's fault. Yeah. But it, it brought something much worse in our relationship with God. It brought separation. God created us to be with him and, and to have life for him and through him, but sin separated us from him. Sin also brought to a world that had never experienced death, death. It, it brought physical and spiritual death. And so you ask me, why does Jesus die and rise again? It's to controvert, to come against and to reconcile and right the things that sin has brought to our world. I was thinking about it, and, and basically I can kind of put sin in, sin in these two uh, ways. Sin less, has left us out. Sin, sin 
or locked us out of, of this relationship that we were meant to have with God. If you go to that same uh, chapter in Genesis where sin occurs for the first time, you can read to the end of it in chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, and you can see that the final thing that God does in the uh, wake of sin is he shuts down the garden and he sends the first humans out. He actually uh, sets an angel up uh, there at the edge of the garden to make sure that, this, that the humans can't get back in. It's this picture of that separation I was referring to. Sin locked us out. Sin also left us locked up. Not just locked out, but locked up. Anybody already been in a, a, a jacket that the zipper got stuck on? Isn't that the worst? You're all hot and the zipper's stuck way up here. Not down here where you can kind of like, you know, worm your way out of it like a shirt. But you're just stuck inside. <laughs> yeah, I hate that feeling. It happens too often in my life. Uh, when we were created by God, those, those, those first days, years, however long it was before sin came into the world, we were um, perfect, righteous, clothed in white, as it were. But then when sin came in, uh, we weren't just muddied and soiled and, 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 and dirtied by the sin that uh, we committed. Um, we were wrapped in it like a straitjacket, just stuck, unable in our own strength to overcome what sin had done to us. Paul was writing to his Christian friends in a place called Ephesus in our Bibles, and he was reminding them of, of where they had once been before they met Jesus. He says this about him. He says, you were dead in trespasses and sin in which you once walked. You followed the course of this world, and you were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's an interesting way to put it. You were by nature Children of Wrath, I had uh, you know, someone walk up to me on Good Friday. Her, her name's Ella. She's a sweet 11-year-old girl. I think her mission in life is to try to stump the pastor. She always comes up to me with these like impossible questions. I'm like, you're 11. But she said, hey, did, did God make sin? And I told her, I said, no, we made sin. And when we made sin, what sin did is, is, is it became our nature. It's not just something that we do. It's someone that we are. Every one of us born into sin. Every one of us is guilty as the next. People love to do this. They love to say, I'm not as bad as him. I'm better than so-and-so. But God doesn't grade on a curve. He's not like looking at you and saying, yeah, you are better than your neighbor. But he just says, no. In the Bible, it says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one. And so sin has locked us out. Sin has locked us up. We're trapped, hopeless and helpless. I know there's kids watching me. Who's looking forward to the egg hunt? Anybody looking forward to the egg hunt? I don't have eggs. Uh, I do love chocolate, though. I've been eating that backstage all day. But uh, my mom and dad, oh, oh, no. We've, we've had a problem. Hang on, I gotta fix my chicken. <laughs> my mom and dad used to give us stuffed animals every Easter. And, uh, well, not every Easter. I don't know who gave them to me. It probably wasn't my mom and dad. Anyway, the chicken, the bunny, I, I called Amazon. They sent them to me. And they're gonna represent for us what I've been trying to tell you. It's the last service. We'll see how this goes. Here we go. The, uh, just so you can see how these guys work, it's pretty cool. We'll have the chicken represent us. And there we go, we've been created. We'll have the bunny represent God. And in the beginning, we're together, right? Harmony. 
But then here's what happens. Sin turns us away from God. And we start going in the other direction. Now, I'm sure it didn't take very long at all for these first humans to realize you're worried about the table, aren't you? I'll get to them. Uh, these first servants to realize that was a bad move. Let's head back to our God. But here's the deal. Sin had separated us from him forever. And here's what we try to do over and over again. Make our own way back to God through our own acts, through our own efforts. But sin's too big for us. We can't overcome it. Now, the Bible tells us, too, that sin didn't just separate us from God. Like I told you, it surrounds us and traps us so that even if we try to go this way, we're, oh, we're still stuck. You know what I mean. And God, who remains sovereign over all things, still in control, still loves us. Is anybody grateful for that? Still loves us. We are separated from him by our sin. That's why it is my pleasure this day and on every Sunday that I get to hang out with you guys that I get to tell you again and again and again about the good news. The good news that was wrought for us, brought about for us in this weekend that we celebrate and remember. It started on Friday when Jesus died to remove the barrier that exists between us and God. Here's what the Bible's clear about. The wages of sin is death. A death has to be given for the death that has been brought into the world by sin. A price must be paid. And when Jesus goes to the cross, he pays our price. Anybody ever been surprised by someone who paid for your meal? It's always nice, isn't it? Someone pays for your meal. Uh, Jesus has paid our price spiritually. He died the death that we deserved for sin. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26, it says this, but as it is, Jesus, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages, in the time that was appointed for him to arrive here on earth, he's appeared to do what? To put away sin. How? By the sacrifice of himself. Jesus dies so that the barrier that exists between us and him might be forever removed. I love the, the stories that surround uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not just, you know, the cross itself. It's, it's the, the trappings, the trimmings, the, the ways that Jesus leveraged what was going on around him to teach us the truths that were happening as he died and rose again. Jesus was doing this all the time. If you read the Gospels, he was constantly looking around him and saying, you know, it's, it's like this. It's like, I want you to be fishers of men, and so I'm going to fill your nets with fish on a, at, at a time of the day when you shouldn't have uh, any ability to catch fish, and you're going to understand what I mean when I say I want to make you fishers of men. If you're poor and, and you're sitting here listening to me talk about how God's going to provide your every need, I, I want you to look at the birds of the air and the flowers of the field and understand that God provides for them. And if he provides for them, he's going to provide for you. He does it all the time. And here at his death, he does the same thing. In Matthew 27, it says this in verse 45. Now from the, the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the, the ninth hour, Jesus cries out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which is kind of a Hebrew Aramaic mashup that means this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Jesus hangs on the cross. And at the sixth hour, that's noon on the Hebrew clock, the lights go out. How are you if uh, today at noon uh, it's as dark as midnight? You start to ask some questions, maybe making a few phone calls, assuming that there might be something cosmic going on. What if it stays that way for three straight hours? Are you wondering what's up? Jesus is already starting to show, I'm dying to overcome the darkness. He hangs from the cross and he asks his father, why have you forsaken me? This is so hard to put into a few minutes. But basically, the Bible tells us that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us. You've probably heard it said that he took your sins and mine upon himself. It's further than that. He became sin itself. And God poured out his wrath on his son on that cross, the wrath that you and I deserved. He laid it on him. It goes on, it says in verse 50 of this same chapter that Jesus uh, cried out again with a loud voice and he yielded up his spirit. In John 19, we know what he says. He says, as his life ends, it is finished, right? And people listening uh, might think, oh yeah, you're dying. This, your life is finished. Jesus wasn't talking about his life alone. He was talking about the work that he had been sent to accomplish on our behalf. He was talking about his sacrifice canceling the debt of our sins forever. It's finished. Into your hands I commend my spirit. And then this is the part that I love. Ready? Jesus dies. I don't love that part. But as he dies, stuff starts to go off. It's dark already. But the Son of God dies, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook, and the rocks were split, and it goes on. Lots of other crazy stuff happened. Read it. You'll see. But all of this in the wake of the death of our Savior. My favorite image there is uh, how God took the curtain in the temple and he ripped it in two. We've actually kind of tried to represent that on our stage design. We've got a curtain that's way spread open like this. The curtain in the temple, though, was like 60 feet high. The fabric in the curtain was four inches thick. And this curtain had been put in place, as God has instructed in the tabernacle and now the temple, to separate the very essence of God, the presence of God on earth, and this, this little room called the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant sat. God uh, is in here, and nobody can be with him. The curtain must separate man from him. There's only one guy once a year who goes in behind that curtain, and he's only in there to make a sacrifice on behalf of everybody else so that sins can be atoned for. It's, it's such a precarious job that he has to go through all these, the high priest of Israel has to go through all these ceremonial rites and purifyings. And then they tie a rope around his ankle just in case he didn't do that right. And God smites him. Because God can't be around sin. Sin has separated him from us. One guy, once a year, for just moments, enters into the Holy of Holies. But when Jesus dies, oh, don't miss this. When Jesus dies, the curtain is rended from top to bottom. Not from bottom to top, so someone could say, yeah, a guy's boot caught it and it started to fray and it's like a sweater that comes undone. No, it was from top to bottom. He opened himself to us because Jesus paid the price that gave us access 
to our God. That's Good Friday, though. It's certainly a part of our gospel. Jesus dies so that the barrier that separates us from God, sin, can be removed. But it doesn't stay there. He doesn't stay dead. Isn't that great? That's what today's about. Our Jesus did not stay in the grave. And he didn't just come to life again because that's cool. It was deeply symbolic. The resurrection of our Savior is a sign to us that we can have a new life in him. Jesus died so that the barrier could be removed, but he rose again to free us from sin and to give us new life. Again, in Matthew chapter 28, uh, we hear the story of the resurrection that we've been celebrating today. It says that after the Sabbath, which was Saturday, uh, toward the dawn of the first day, which was Sunday, Mary uh, Magdalene and the other Mary. Um, our, our best guess is that this is Mary. There's lots of Marys back then. Did you notice that in the Bible? Lots of Marys. Uh, but this is probably Mary, the mother of James, one of the disciples of Jesus. Uh, but these, the Marys <laughs> go to the tomb. If you saw the video at the beginning of our service, um, they, they packed with them uh, some spices. And here's how it worked back then. Uh, Jesus died on Friday. Uh, the Sabbath was about to begin at sundown. And so Nicodemus, one of his old friends, and uh, a guy named Joseph of Arimathea uh, convinced the Roman officials to give them the body of Christ. And they take his body to the tomb of uh, Joseph's family. And they do a quick kind of pre-burial burial. They just lay him there in the tomb. And these ladies were coming on Easter morning to basically pack the the, the wrappings, the burial wrappings of Jesus with spices uh, for a year, a full year, the bodies of, of the deceased would lay in tombs and people could come and, and visit their deceased ones. And so they kept packing them with spices to fight against uh, the effects of uh, decay. Uh, the, if you know the story, the, the Romans had said, you know what, we're not going to be caught you know, uh, you know, w without our, our awares here, we're going to make sure that um, there's no way that any of the followers of Jesus could ever claim that he had risen from the grave. And so here's what we're going to do. Big rock, big rock. We're going to roll this big stone in front of the grave, and then we're going to take some wax, and we're going to put the signet of the governor uh, there as a sign that you can't break this seal. It's like us buying a, you know, a Coke at, at, at somebody's store and, and opening the cap and being like, no fizz. Let's switch this one out. Um, and, and, then, and then we're going to make sure that we have a detail of soldiers in front of the tomb so that nobody can claim that this carpenter came back from the grave. But then here in verse 2, we see all those efforts thwarted because behold, there was a great earthquake and an angel of the Lord descends from heaven and comes and rolls back the stone and sits on it. All the efforts that the Romans had done to keep Jesus in were thwarted by one angel. And I, I picture him, anybody ever done this? Like, you know, you got something on you, he just goes like this. He just goes with a, you know, bing, and the stone rolls away. And I love the fact that he sat on it. Isn't that a position of triumph? I used to wrestle my uncles when I was like seven. They were grown men. Anybody want to guess how that ever turned out? They'd let me win for a while, but, you know, like every sensible grown adult, they would win in the end. Make sure that kid knows who's the boss. And, uh, and they would actually sit on my chest. Not their full weight. That would have crushed me. But they would just kind of sit there and, you know, laugh and joke and tickle and, and just let me know who's the boss. 
When I got older, I took them all down. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but here's this angel sitting in this position of power and triumph. He's just sitting on the stone, just waiting for Mary and Mary to show up. Jesus, earlier in that day, had by the, uh, his own power and the power of his father started his own heart beating again. He overcame the grave, and in doing so, uh, his death removed the barrier of our sin. His, his life uh, freed us from the prison that is our sin. And it sets, on a, sets us on a path if we choose him, if we follow him by faith. It sets us on a path that is a new life. Again, we tried to capture that here on this, this set. You've been staring at the big hole on the stage all morning. And we wanted to, this to be a picture of what it would be, uh, be to look out of the tomb of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That this is what's before us because Jesus has conquered the grave. We can walk out as it were, as we sang, of our own graves that have been sealed for so long because the power of sin is death. I love what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Does everybody see resurrection there? By grace we've been saved, and it's going to tell us later in this chapter by faith. But he says he's raised us up with him. He's seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We have been made alive. We who have put our faith in Jesus, raised up with him, seated in the heavenlies with him, all by the grace of our loving God. So here's why Jesus dies. He dies so that sin as a barrier can be removed. Here's why he raises he raises so that sin, which is our prison, can hold us no more and we can be together forever with our God. As I close, I want to celebrate with all of you who have made that choice and by faith have received what Jesus came to give us through his death and resurrection. If that's you this morning, I want to remind you as you celebrate this day, this day of Christ coming back to life, uh, that you are no longer locked out from the presence of God. You are no longer locked up in sin. Yeah, you're going to mess up. Anybody's still messing up sometimes? But by Christ's life and his new life, his, his resurrection, we can be freed from the powers of sin, the effects of sin, and we can have relationship with God the Father through Jesus. Some of you are sitting here this morning, you're amongst the coerced, the corralled, the collared. I don't know how many times you've listened to me. This is my 17th Easter here. Maybe we've been hanging out every year on the year, you know, seeing each other like we have. And you keep hearing the message that I've shared in one way or another every time we've hung out. That Jesus came, died, rose again so that you might have life like you were meant to. A life with the God who made you for himself. I wonder how long it's going to take you how many prayers it's going to require of those who loved you and invited you again today for you to understand your need for a Savior, for you to receive what Jesus came to give. That happens when we admit, yeah, 
I've got a problem. It's, it's sin. It's separating me from God. It's, it's a prison that I'm trapped in. And I believe that Jesus is my solution. It's, he's the only way that I can be freed from my sin. I choose him. I trust him. I give my life to him and receive his life in exchange. That's been my prayer for you. As I close, I want to just take us to the very end of that first Resurrection Sunday. It starts with the, the resurrection early in the morning. It proceeds to the confusion of the, the people leaving Jerusalem and heading back to Emmaus. Travis talked to us about that. It concludes with the disciples of Jesus, his closest ends, gathered together in the darkness of the night of that day. They'd seen the empty tomb. Uh, but they feared for their own lives. It tells us in John chapter 20 that uh, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. If they killed Jesus, they're going to kill us. What do we do? Like Travis said, we have no hope. And this is what happens. Jesus came, it says, and he stood among them. Apparently didn't use the door kind of appeared in this prison that they'd fashioned for themselves, in this darkness that they found themselves in, Jesus appears and he says these words, peace be with you. Now, they had an immediate purpose. Um, if someone just showed up in a room that you were hanging out in, you might be a little freaked out. And so he needed to calm them. But his words were packed with so much more meaning. The resurrected king stood before his friends and he said, in effect, it's finished. And now peace can be with you. Romans tells us, therefore we are, we are justified by faith and, and, and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you found that peace, rejoice today. And I want to challenge you if you found that peace, uh, that peace uh, to be renewed today. It's been a hard year. It's been a hard year on lots of people's faiths. But if you know that Jesus has come out of that grave, you have a hope that cannot be ended or bended, bent. It's unfailing and it's yours. Live in that hope, walk in that hope. Live for the Savior who died and rose again for you. If you're here this morning and you don't know him yet, we're singing this next song about an altar. We don't have you know, uh, a literal altar here at the front of the room for you to walk to, but if, if you today are sensing that Jesus is calling you to faith in him so that you can be freed from the effects of sin, I want you to first walk to the altar of your heart and lay your life before him and receive from him what he gives. If you'll come at the end of the service and just let me know you did that, I'd love to help you start this walk, this journey as you get up out of your grave. Come to the altar. Let's sing. Have you come to the 
service. I just don't have the words to fully contain my gratitude uh, for what you've given us in Jesus. Um, I thank you for making a way where uh, we were otherwise, otherwise hopeless and, and helpless and for giving us uh, Jesus uh, to stand in our place to take the punishment that we were due and to and to lead us out of death and into life with him. Uh, on this day, uh, you know, above all the other days, we are mindful of the power of resurrection. And we rejoice in the fact that Jesus is alive. Jesus 
is alive. Jesus is alive.